presents your new series of our show called Podcast, shining the spotlight on current human rights issues here in Northern Ireland. Human rights touch on every aspect of life, from health to housing to child protection, education, criminal justice and rights of persons with disabilities, amongst many others. In this series, staff from the Northern Ireland Human Rights Commission shall be interviewing stakeholders and partners to highlight current human rights issues. Today we release our fourth episode on International Day for the Eradication of Poverty, 17th of October 2023, and our topic is the poverty crisis and human rights in Northern Ireland. Michael Boyd and Emily Mills from the Northern Ireland Human Rights Commission interviewed Johnny Curry, Northern Ireland Network Lead at the Trussell Trust. Thanks for joining us today here at the Northern Ireland Human Rights Commission in Belfast. Please introduce yourself and your job title. My name's Johnny Curry and I'm Northern Ireland Lead for the Trussell Trust. You're very welcome, Johnny. Could you please tell us more about the work of the Trussell Trust in Northern Ireland? Yes, the Trussell Trust is a charity that supports a network of food banks across the UK. It originated in 1997 in Salisbury when a couple called Carl and Patty Henderson um, started the charity with a legacy from Carl's mum, Betty Trussell, who um, they started a food bank at the bottom of their garden in Salisbury to support a family who was really struggling. And it was a three-day emergency food parcel. And from that, then, the Trussell Trust model of food banks cascaded across the UK. So we support 22 food banks in Northern Ireland. The first one opened in 2010 in Newton Arts. Johnny, so there's 22 food banks. Um, over the last five years, the numbers of parcels distributed by food banks in your network increased by 141% in Northern Ireland. Why do you think this is happening? It's happened for a range of reasons. The first thing I suppose it's worth saying is that that is the highest increase than any other region in the UK over the last five years. That's the sharpest increase in terms of parcel use. Um, it's not unique to Northern Ireland, but what we see as the main reasons that um, folks are telling us as they're coming through the doors is that people simply don't have enough money to cover the essentials. And the rise from that time period in particular can be traced back to the beginning of welfare reform as well, where there were much uh, stringer conditions and a much tighter rein put on social security. That's when we saw the higher trajectory of food parcel use really begin to rise at the level that we're seeing now. Um, so we've seen some recent action from the government um, in respect of ad hoc support payments uh, to address some of the pressures associated with the cost of living crisis. Um, but there continues to be significant concern that the lack of a functioning uh, Northern Ireland executive is preventing the possibility of any major effort or coordinated effort to tackle poverty in Northern Ireland. The Trussell Trust has highlighted the need for a long-term plan to address poverty. Um, what do you see as the key areas of concern? I think there's a lot of people who are now having to use a food bank for the first time who, who would never have previously considered themselves to be in that position. Something that our food banks hear a lot from people who come through the doors is, I never expected to be here. And it's really quite surprising just how close to that mark many, many people are. Um, last year there were a number of cost of living measures that the government put in place so there were two cost of living payments for people who were means tested benefits, UK wide. Um, during that time, food bank use dropped slightly across our network, across the whole of the UK. And more interestingly for Northern Ireland, um, 
in January, February there, whenever the £600 energy fuel payment was starting to hit people's bank accounts or they were claiming it from the post office. Food bank use across our network dropped by 17% at that time. And January and February usually goes up. So that just showed us just there are so many people that are really struggling here and those, those small amounts can really make a difference. And we need a long-term plan to address poverty. We, we as an organisation made the strategic decision back in 2020 that we want to end the need for food banks. We believe that everyone should be able to afford the essentials for themselves. No one should have to darken the doors of a food bank because they should have enough money in their pocket. So we need a long-term plan. We need a long-term plan that's driven by Stormont, by the Northern Ireland Assembly. We need a strategy that's going to stop folks falling into this crisis, that thinks long-term, that joins up all the different things that government departments are doing, all the things that our charities are saying, so that we can work ourselves out of this position. So, so, so really an anti-poverty strategy and a long-term plan that brings everybody together. Uh, that looks at things that are starting to work in Scotland. So there's a national strategy to end the need for food banks that the Scottish Government has in place. That's the sort of big thinking that we need to um, seriously consider for Northern Ireland. Thanks, Tony. In terms of the profile of individuals who may require additional support, recent research by Ulster University identified that the rising cost of living was having a disproportionate effect on women. Do you see a similar trend reflected in data or research by the Trussell Trust? Are any other groups overrepresented amongst the individuals accessing your food banks across Northern Ireland? We recently released Hunger in Northern Ireland, which was our first uh, deep dive really into what are the drivers of food bank use here. And that report highlighted certain groups that are more represented at food banks than others. While there's no typical food bank user, there are certain groups that are more at risk. So certainly women were slightly overrepresented other food banks compared to other regions of the UK. Not much more, but certainly enough for us to take notice. So that would certainly dovetail with Ulster University's research where um, they would strongly advocate that women are the shock, shock absorbers of poverty in a household, and that's certainly what our food bank network sees as well. Other groups that are overrepresented, and this isn't going to be a surprise, but it's carers, families with dependents, ethnic minorities, people with a disability. And about half the number of people referred to our network in Northern Ireland are in, some are in receipt of some form of social security. And also, um, there are lots of myths about food bank use and um, who uses food banks and who doesn't. And the trend that we're increasingly seeing is that more and more people are using food banks um, who, are, who also have someone in the household who's at work. So it's roughly one in five across the UK network, but it's closer to one in, one in four in Northern Ireland. So that's an increasing trend that we're seeing and our food banks are starting to respond to that by actually relaxing their opening times and having more sessions in the evening so that people can come to a food bank after work which is I mean <laughs> it's incredible that we're at that stage but that's what our food banks are seeing. Thanks Johnny. Um, you've mentioned some of the figures that are particularly impacting Northern Ireland. We, we know that personal debt is also higher in Northern Ireland than other parts of the UK. Uh, which raises some concerns around debt vulnerability and possible exploitation. Can you explain a little bit more about the difficult decisions that people are having to make and the type of exploitation that they may be subject to? Whenever the decision was made at the end of March by the Department of Education to cut the um, holiday hunger programme, so for families that received free school meals during the school term, there was support in place throughout the summer. 
Um, once that cut was announced, our food banks told us straight away we're going to be incredibly busy over the summer, and that turned out to be the case. Um, so there's a very vulnerable group straight away that had the rug pulled out from underneath them. Um, our local food bank where I live in Newton Arge, they were 60% busier over July and August than they were the previous year. They would cite that as one of the main reasons. So um, the number of food parcels that we give to um, families with young children in the house is on the rise. And in terms of exploitation in general, when you're struggling to make ends meet, um, more and more people, uh, CAP actually Northern Ireland, Christians Against Poverty, released um, some research a few days ago which stated that more and more people are paying for essentials on their credit cards. So as more and more people are trying to pay for groceries or to heat their home, they are looking at other options if there's not enough money left at the end of the month. And sadly, there are people out there who will exploit that. Um, and they live within communities as well. They can often be your neighbours. We know the, the, the very specific challenges that we have in Northern Ireland around criminal gangs and the influence that they have and that's certainly something anecdotally that um, food banks relay back to us in terms of that's a challenge that's very hard to put your finger on because people are very, very reluctant to speak about it but it's certainly a challenge that's out there and it's exploiting very vulnerable people. Johnny this isn't in our, our set list of questions but I just want to throw it in. Um, we have a, a sports a human rights forum here and there's lots of sports and there's lots of charities and community groups connected to the forum. One of the things we've found uh, recently is lots of those groups are now setting up their own food banks because they have to have their own you know, facilities. And that's based on, they do like stakeholder engagement and basically what you said there earlier, you know, it's, it's uh, the families of the children or the, the participants if they're uh, connected to the programme have been asking for this. Is that, is that a thing that the Trussell Trust engage with other groups, you know, setting up new food banks and things? We're by no means the only providers of emergency food. So, so there's no doubt there's a formality to food banks in the Trussell Trust Network in that we very much rely on referrals to food banks. While our food banks will always accept people that are, who actually present in crisis, one of the key things about the food banks that we support is we believe really strongly in referral pathways. So what's the onward support that someone else needs so they're less likely to have to come back to a food bank? Um, where we're based, I mean, we have 22 food banks that operate in 50 locations across Northern Ireland. That's a lot, but we estimate that's roughly two-thirds of emergency food provision in Northern Ireland. There are independent food banks. There's um, food provision from schools, from community centres. No St Vincent de Paul, the independent food banks are very active as well. So we're not looking to open brand new food banks. We want to end the need for them, but folks will, folks will respond to need where they see it. So... I guess we're really keen to ensure that anyone that receives an emergency food parcel gets some extra support as well, whether that's some sort of conversation with a local advice centre or some mental health support, some employability or jobs, jobs guidance as well. So while those independent or those very kind of pop-up expressions of emergency food are obviously meeting a really direct need, for us it's really important that people get the extra wraparound support so they're less likely to have to come back and rely on a food parcel again. But, you know, as the cost of living rises, we are supporting more and more people on a long-term basis because their income just isn't enough to meet the essentials. Together with the, uh, the Joseph Roundtree Foundation, the Trussell Trust is calling for an essentials guarantee to establish the widely supported principle 
that at a minimum, Universal Credit should protect people from going without essentials. Can you please tell us more about this campaign? Yeah, we're really excited about this campaign uh, that we think will be, if it's successful, one of the biggest policy interventions that will enable us to reduce food bank use. So the basic level of Universal Credit for a single person is £85 a week, which might sound a lot if you're not used to that, but you're not used to, you know, your kind of knowledge of universal credit is quite limited, but everything has to come out of that. That's the basic level. So all of your groceries, all of the utilities have to come out of that £85 a week. Um, that amount was arrived at in quite an arbitrary fashion by the government, so it wasn't really based on what someone needs to live on during the week. Um, so we're working with the Joseph Browntree Foundation on actually what might that look like to actually more accurately reflect the cost of a week's essentials. So we did some calculations and we estimated that it really it has to be at least £120 a week so that people can afford all the things that they should be able to afford to live some sort of dignified life. To be honest, it's a it's a low bar, it's a it's a low floor, but for us it's around this is what will make a significant difference around food bank use. And we call it guarantee our essentials because we want to broaden this around uh, we want to broaden the conversation around social security as something that should be there for all of us if we need it so we want to universalize it as something that can happen to any of us you know so many people that come to our food banks have multiple adverse life events that just happen at once and we're all quite close to those things so we want to raise the basic level of universal credit to uh, 120 pounds a week for a single person and 200 pounds per couple to more accurately reflect what it means to get by every week. Thanks, uh, Johnny. Uh, could you please tell us how the Trussell Trust in Northern Ireland engages with people affected by poverty, um, including volunteers and stakeholders, uh, to address the underlying drivers of food bank use? Yeah, we have three strands to our strategy to end the need for emergency food. Changing communities, changing minds and changing policy. Changing communities very much around local solutions lie in local communities. So people who are people who are experiencing hardship, people who are in poverty, people who are coming through the doors of our food banks are best placed to tell us what's needed so they don't have to use a food bank. So their experience and a strong network of local services is really what we believe will make people less likely to have to come back to a food bank. And that links into changing minds, which is really around how can we amplify the voices of lived experience to build greater empathy around what drives food bank use, what it feels like to use a food bank, who uses a food bank, so we can build a greater movement that just realises, hang on, this isn't right, this isn't normal, we have to get beyond this. And that hopefully then feeds into changing policy. So what are the drivers at Westminster and at Stormont for kind of Scotland at Holyrood and Wales in the Senate around what will put more money into people's pockets so that food banks aren't normalised? You touched on this a bit there, Johnny, in your last answer. Um, we sometimes see that stigma can really act as a barrier uh, to people accessing social security or essential services. Um, is that something you're experiencing through uh, your food banks? It's something that we're really mindful of. Um, as an organisation, we want our food banks to be places of welcome and um, places that remove stigma. So we work very closely with our food banks to make their spaces welcoming. There's usually a place to sit down, have a, have a cup of tea or coffee, 
um, have a chat with a volunteer, but the reality is you're encountering somebody at a real low point in their life. So there's only so much you can do, but we're really conscious of the need to reduce that stigma. And certainly the fact that we're well known as a brand and that food banks have quite a high profile within local communities now probably does help that. But that stigma really is why we want to listen to the voices of the lived experience for them to tell us what we can do to try and reduce that feeling so that people can get the support that they need without having to feel ashamed. Johnny, whereabouts is the Trussell Trust based across Northern Ireland? So we have 22 food banks who operate in 50 locations and um, they are in every local council area other than Newry, Mourne and Down. There's a range of great independent food banks in that council area but we're active in every other council area. Certainly provision thins out as you go west of the band but that reflects the rur the rurality of going west but also the fact that um, food bank provision shows up in very different ways as well so our highest concentration of food banks would be in counties Antrim and Down certainly and most of our church churches most of our food banks would actually sit within the governance of a church as well um, so yeah we we're not looking to open any brand new food banks, but we're always open to a conversation around food banks that are already existing across Northern Ireland that might want to join our network as well. And you, do you see a difference in the needs of people accessing um, food banks in urban or rural areas? Um, is there a difference there? There isn't a difference that's obvious that you would see straight away, but I guess the further west that you go when it's a longer journey to a Tesco or the Sainsbury store and you have to rely on a spar or a smaller convenience shop where goods are more expensive. Uh, certainly we would find in rural areas where food banks are more spread out, uh, food parcels would have to maybe be slightly bigger to last longer so, so it doesn't cost people as much to keep coming back to the food bank. But, but certainly something that we're seeing across the board both in rural and in urban areas is more than just food, it's the price of toiletries which is really skyrocketing and essentials for babies uh, too. So those kind of costs are really rising and food banks are having to augment food parcels with more and more of those items. Johnny, you touched on this a bit earlier, but with um, sports clubs, schools, charities, who traditionally didn't have food banks now, now having food banks, can they come to the likes of the Trussell Trust to ask for advice or guidance? Our food banks are always, always looking for opportunities to support other providers of emergency food, especially in terms of um, onward, onward support. So for us, it's more than just food. It's what is the extra support that someone needs? Is it a signposting conversation? Is it a referral to a local uh, job club, an advice centre, some sort of mental health and wellbeing support? So there's very practical support that our food banks can offer in terms of you know stock that can be shared. Our food banks are very generous on that front, but also wider conversations around how can we support people with more than just a food parcel so they're less likely to have to use a food parcel again. Going into the winter, Johnny, have you got concerns? Uh, obviously, this winter's harder for everybody. Uh, is it put more pressure on your charity at that point? Every winter over the last few years has been harder than the previous one. So we had our busiest ever December last year. We're sadly expecting that to be the same. We are doing a lot of contingency planning to make sure that food banks are fit for purpose as we head into the winter. Uh, stock levels have remained, certainly in Northern Ireland, very consistent. We're hugely reliant and grateful 
on the generosity of the general public. I don't think that's sustainable long term, but in the meantime, we're incredibly thankful for it. So, so stock levels have remained high, but where the gaps are appearing is just because need is rising, actually. So we really want people to feel that they can come to a food bank and get the support that they need, rather than hear about shelves being empty and thinking, oh, I'll not go because someone else needs that more than me. Please, please get a referral to your food bank and get the support that you need, especially as we head into winter. Um, so yeah, we are concerned. Food banks are prepared. We're supporting them the best we can, but like, we just can't keep on doing this. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, we've enjoyed having you as our guest, and we feel this is a really important topic. If anyone listening would like to pick up the conversation with you, what is the best way for them to reach you? I certainly share my email details. It can probably go out with this podcast package once it's available. Uh, you can visit our website at trusseltrust.org, and we're also available on Twitter or, or, or X, it's at uh, Trussell underscore NI, so you can find us there as well. Thank you so much for your time today.